Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Alex. And this week, joining us in the studio, it's our actually our take two of getting Sandra up here, up the mountain. It's Sandra Nomoto. She is an author, she is an aspiring world traveler, and a light worker, and welcome. We're Thanks glad to so have you here. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. We actually had good weather. We are now in spring, even though it's just a few weeks since the snow decided that we were not going to be able to do, do our show with you just the other... Yeah, it wasn't very long ago. Yeah. Yes. Oh, a couple weeks ago. A couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freaky. So we've actually known Sandra for a while, but I think you met Sandra before me, Luca. So oh, how yes, about I'm I let mining, you... I'm mining my local area network again, mm-hmm. right? Um, and w- we met quite a number of years ago. We've been floating wanna, in and out I of I want to say it was a decade ago. Yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah it's... Um, it, it doesn't feel like that long no. ago. But you've... Um, You've been morphing as as time has gone by because you're not now doing exactly what you were doing when I first met you. Um, so you're one of those people who is reinventing yourself as you go along and building on what you already were. As um, we do, yeah. So how long ago did you make this last um, shift in your life, and and um, what? What prompted you to to make that shift? Because I have the sense that that's going to give us a little introduction to what it is that you're doing now, and and because mm-hmm. uh, this is the juicy stuff about how we got you on here. Yeah, I would say it's it was probably about six months ago. Um, I closed my public relations agency of ten years uh, in September 28, 2018. Yeah, that's mm, right, wow. <laughs> and. Uh, and um, in a, a number of new positions since then. Um, but I wrote this book um, that I launched called The Only Public Relations Guide You'll Ever Need. Um, I wrote it two years ago as a tool to market the agency. And then when I decided to close it last year, you know, I had this book written and edited even and decided, you know, do I still want to put this out there? Because I don't actually want to continue working in the marketing industry. But uh, as intuition always tells me, um, yeah, I, I just said, you know, it is still a useful, it, it is still useful information in my opinion. And uh, yeah, so I, I just had my designer whip it up, um, both in print and digital form and uh, put it out there in the world. Um, yeah. Well, it, it comes out of how many years um, Over 10 years. Over 10 yeah. years of experience, yeah, 13 right? years, and, so. And that experience is still valid um, to, to benefit other people just Absolutely. as valid whether you're still doing it or not yes right it's um, it's useful yeah to and and I entered and left PR in such a critical time because I came in right when it was the time when you were still um, emailing news releases to media to traditional media mm-hmm. um, blogging was and social media was still a new thing um, and now Digital marketing has completely uh, turned the industry on its head. Um, traditional media is still around, but those are not the main methods that you communicate with your audience anymore. And so I've, yeah, I've, I've basically been around uh, during that period, seeing all the changes happen. And uh, 
yeah and 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 knowing the theory behind it and and where i think it's going so so hence the reason because i was going to ask you about that what what was the process that you went through because it's not easy to just up and change what you're doing there's like a discomfort point that mm-hmm. you get to. Um, and so I'm curious about how did you arrive at that point of discomfort? And what finally pushed you to the point where you decided you needed to let one part of what you'd been doing go and embrace another part? Yeah, you. that's such a an accurate question because um, with all these changes that have been happening in public relations, um, I'm finding that most people in business don't even know what PR is anymore. And um, people think it's just that action of creating a news release and sending it out to uh, traditional media. And that mainly was how it was done before. Um, but the practice of public relations was always meant to be two-way. Mm. So, yes, you're engaging with the public and you're informing them, but you're actually also asking them for feedback. And there hasn't been a time in history where we've had those tools where the public could actually instantly give their feedback until very recently. And so um, what's funny is the public relations industry has been so slow to realize this and actually call it something that it ended up just being called digital marketing and social media. And so now this this term PR um, seems so old school. And so I knew this was happening around 2015, 2016. um, And I knew something had to change. Didn't quite know how it was going to happen but I just had this kind of intuitive hit when I was sitting in a conference at the end of 2016 and um, decided that I had to change my agency around um, if I wanted to stay relevant so we were also doing social media at that time Um, but yeah I I decided to come up with this whole expansion plan and start working with other partnering companies or um, who do different services that we didn't offer and kind of form this massive uh, conscious agency and uh, a rebrand would come along with that because uh, I noticed other PR agencies were dropping PR from their names as well uh, and uh, and yeah and rebranding into um, just the current the current way that we do communications now and uh, and then that plan actually didn't unfold last year and so um, yeah I, I just came to this to the decision in July that uh, yeah I was going to wrap up and then um, yeah September started uh, started looking for some other opportunities so when when we come to the end of one thing there's often sort of the nascent idea or, or stirrings of what's going to come next, even if we don't know exactly what it is yet or we don't know what name to give it yet. It's, it's stirring there. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming that what you're doing now, and we'll ask you about that, um, is, was stirring underneath this, uh, that traditional PR is changing, it's now morphing into a digital version of itself do I want to still stay in that? Yes. Um, and and you're growing and changing as a human being because mm-hmm. there was lots of stuff going on in your life at that time um, that was big change-worthy stuff, 
right? Yeah, I would say namely I, I got married in 2016. Yeah. And so and I decided I was going to change my name, which would get, give me a really good excuse to personally brand myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would say that was the start of yeah, uh, at that time, I didn't know I was going to close my agency, but it ended up being the rebirth, I would say, of my personal brand yeah. that, as, it's, as it is now. So that's a term that nobody would have bandied about 15 or 20 years ago, my mm-hmm. personal brand, Yeah, right? I mean, a lot of people didn't know, I mean, they we sort of knew what a brand was because everybody knows about Nike and, uh, you know, that's the, 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 like, the big famous, famous ones. Yes. Apple and Nike and Pepsi and, but, but to brand ourselves is such, it's almost counterintuitive, right? It's that, that, but, but for, we know a lot of people who are sole proprietors, um, Entrepreneurs who who are working just as themselves, using the internet a lot, mm-hmm. um, and that is sort of changing the face of business. Never mind changing the face of how we market. And it's very. I I talk to a lot of people who talk about um, how do I brand myself? How do I market myself? Mm-hmm. Right? It's a because it's so personal. It's it's hard to separated. I mean, if you're selling widgets, it's easier to say that's a widget. I'm selling those widgets over yeah. there. But when you're selling your own services, it's a very different animal. And you're you were in on all of this. You know, you I know that you were working with a lot of people that we know who were in that same kind of boat. Rebecca's in it, I'm in it. Now you're in it, right? Um so um, what have you What have you noticed about this sort of morphing of this creature that mm-hmm. is how do we communicate to the people that we want to buy our services or whom we want to buy our services? Yeah, it's just such a fascinating time in history because I remember working with with people who didn't want any of their in their names or their information out on the internet. It was very scary. You know, identity theft is a real thing. Um, but I mean, you just got to give it up at <laughs> one point because we're at this point in his, uh, in time where consumers want to know who is behind the company. You know, we can't trust anyone anymore. So mm-hmm. we want to know who is Mark who Zuckerberg, is who yeah. is the CEO. Yeah. And so it just makes sense that as much as you brand yourself as a consumer and who, how you want to appear to, even if it's just friends and family, mm-hmm. t- way up to the CEO of a huge corporation. Like, we want to know who who are you and are you a real human being? And, and do you have integrity? And Yes. Right? So w- mm. when it's when we're sole proprietors, then, then, you know, how much do we put out there? And also, I mean, a lot of what I do requires people trusting me as a as an individual they're going to share a lot of very deeply personal information with me yes. they need to know who i am and whether or not i'm trustworthy so we're building not just a brand but we're building trust out there yes and that's a i mean a company used to be trustworthy if they said they were trustworthy right if they used trustworthy colors and had a trustworthy ad but now people are actually saying yes but you did this and you said this over here and you tweeted this over here yep. and that doesn't that's not congruent yes so they can call us on it now mm. absolutely 
that's reminding me of something that I witnessed you do as like an experiment. Um, real quick before um, I ask my question, I'll just remind anybody who's listening who's just joined in. Uh, we're speaking with Sandra Nomoto. She is an author. She's an aspiring world traveler and light worker and has a very deep background in public relations, which is what we were discussing as she's emerging out of that. Um, so my, um, what I wanted to throw back to you was I, I recall you doing like uh, it was um, – Around your finances and around how, yeah, business and stuff. I, I don't, I'm not even going to describe it anymore. I'm going to let you describe what it was that you were doing. Could you tell me why you were doing that and what did it do for you or what did you see was the ripple effect of you engaging yes. in that? So it was called the fearlessness experiment. And what, I would say one of my i wouldn't say a biggest fear but a fear that i have is is just that financial insecurity and i'm sure a lot of people have that um but more so even um fear of being exposed so what i decided to do at the beginning of last year um knowing that i was at the time i was in this um very um vulnerable place waiting for this new agency to um to come and and yeah just in this really weird waiting period and am i going to survive and and all this and so i decided i'm going to tackle both of these fears that i have um by yeah just just tracking where my where my you know bank account number was how much debt i have and then i'm going to share that on social media. So I use the hashtag fearlessness experiment. And my goal was to share this every month um, where I was at, um, you know, savings and debt um, for each month. And I found that at the end of June, I, I didn't give a shit anymore. Sorry, so can I swear on this? Um, <laughs> I was supposed to ask that before we started, but too late. Um, I'll, yeah. Give me a signal, I'll go bleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just didn't care anymore. And so I, 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 I found, you know, I think that's gone. Maybe, like, I'll still have that whole, you know, fin- financial insecurity. For, I, I don't think that'll ever go away. But um, but the exposure, yeah. Maybe it yeah. will. I mean, maybe May- yeah, when maybe we talk about it enough <laughs> and we make it public enough, we take away some of the charge around it. Yeah, and that's exactly what it did for me. Um um Yeah, I can say, you know, that it, now that it's over a year later, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not only in a better position now, but but less concerned um, as it was last year. Um, but yeah, that fear of exposure is 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 completely gone. So so you know, as much as these people think, it, uh, if I share too much of myself, um, that was the whole point of this experiment. Is 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 that fear gonna be there even more? Um, but for me, it ended up um, yeah, just completely mm-hmm. um, dissipating. Did you ever f- hear feedback from people about what witnessing? that exposure from you did for them? I I did hear from one uh, colleague of mine who said she was inspired enough to do something similar. Um, so she had a personal goal in her life that she wanted to reach and, and found that putting it out there on her Facebook, her personal Facebook account, um, might give her a bit motivation, more motivation to complete that. And so, yeah, I, I, I thought that was cool mm-hmm. to see somebody else. Well, I'll give you some personal feedback right now. Okay. Because <laughs> I did witness that as it was happening. And there was a part of me that was going, whoa, she's so brave. I just deeply admire <laughs> the intention behind this. Like there was a deliberateness. Of, I could feel that intentional vulnerability. Um, but it was also impactful 
in because we don't share those things. It's such a it's mm-hmm. like a taboo, a taboo subject, right? To know to ask what what is like even to ask like someone's what their rent is, what is their annual yeah. income. Like these are not things we talk about, and yet especially as um, solopreneurs. We often carry so much insecurity, as you were saying, around where are we at? And we have no idea where we are realistically compared to other people. And part of it is due to the way that we manage social media these days, right? The images that we're projecting yes. and always this is what success looks like. But, you know, we're not going to actually ask the questions what the numbers look like in the bank. So it was delightful and refreshing for me to see somebody be like, you know, it's almost like disrobing Flashing. in a way, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly how it felt, too. Yeah. To be like, you know, here, here's where mm-hmm. it's at. Because a person who's looking at that can't help but but know what their own numbers are. And to look at that and find some comfort, some relief, some something around where, you know, oh, there's another human out there. And, oh, look, they have debt. Or, oh, look, this is what they're making. Or, you know, and what does that look like? It just, it was ref- it was not only refreshing, it was encouraging. It, w- it provided a sense of spaciousness and peace wow. and and so i thought you maybe you needed to you. hear that right mm-hmm. now so that really was it was brave on your part and i love that you got the result you wanted to for yourself but you probably had an and i don't know maybe people didn't even say much when you were doing it because it feels so vulnerable it's like when you see someone walking naked down the street you don't really want to call attention you don't know what's going on over there but you kind of notice anyways mm-hmm. you might not say anything yeah but Everybody was noticing. I absolutely guarantee. And it did make an impact. So that was really cool. I want to say thank, thank you, you for doing mm-hmm. such a brave experiment so publicly. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. It's, again, the tools are there, right? And and I hear people all the time like, oh, the trolls and why do we even bother? And it's, you know, it's just, it's how you use it, mm-hmm. right? You can always delete people and or block them and... But if you're if you're intentional about how you want to use a tool, um, mm. how empowering it can There's be. And again, that was such a personal thing. I did it for me. I didn't do it to inspire other people. But mm-hmm. it has this ripple effect, as, as it does. you've just described, that you just don't know. So why not? Why not use so it? That brings up another idea for me, which is, and and you would have you would have um, seen and experienced this change over time. When I went to business school, there there was no internet. So, so we didn't, this was not part of what we ever learned about as tools. Mm-hmm. So I've had to learn how to manage social media from when Facebook first sort of appeared um, and then all that has unfolded since then. And I, I have to confess that as a person who is a business of one, it's overwhelming. I mean, it can, it can eat my whole day. Mm-hmm. And and as much as we say we want this, um, the public relations um, or social media relations to go in both directions, it it's it's a little overwhelming to get the information and to have to respond to what comes yes. to us, right? And and so knowing that you're now moving into um, w- doing a lot of that for people handling the the computer end of um, helping them to run their uh, enterprise if you like and maybe you can say a little bit more about that and but it, how how it does that come into the services that you offer to people and does it yeah well uh, I, 
When we started offering social media in 2014, and this was actually later in the game when um, PR agencies started to get involved in those services, Mm -hmm. I was one of those people who refused to offer it right off the bat because I believed that it should be coming from the company. Mm-hmm. And I later decided, no, we should now start helping companies because they're not doing it very well. <laughs> it's right. either they're, they're giving it to an intern who just came in. They have no idea what the brand values are, the company. And, and you know, there's spelling and grammar mistakes all over the they place. They haven't learned about it as a tool yet. And then I, and I, I said, we can do this better. We can do this better for the company, so we mm-hmm. may as well. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, and now... And teach them how to yeah, do it while we're so at it. So now I'm, I'm actually coming out of it. Like, so in the last... In the later years, uh, I was actually not handling the social media for more most of our clients. Um, and I'm handling more of my own, which mm-hmm. in itself is a beast, as you just mm-hmm. referenced, Luca. Um but yeah, if, if you're a company out there and yeah, a solopreneur and you just don't know how to communicate yourself very well, you, you got to entrust that to somebody else and, and, and give them the tools that they need to speak in your, in your brand voice as best they can. Yes. Right? Because keep it's, pos- informed, it's possible. Right? Yes. Because like, it's, it isn't just that you don't have the tools, it's that you also may not have the time or yep. the aptitude, right? That's because correct. Because some people are really great at what they do, but not so great at the things mm-hmm. that support their business yes, and what absolutely. they do. Yeah. And you're good at the support stuff. I'm curious about, um, and I'm not sure if I might have just missed it while I was tweeting some things out, so please just remind me if I did miss your answer to this question. Um, What drew you to getting involved in public relations to begin with? And I'm curious because I think there's probably clues there about what you're still creating right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So I landed in PR, yeah, kind of by accident. Um, (laughs) Quotation marks by accident, right? um, Right after I graduated uh, from uh, a degree in English literature and film studies in 2005. So um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I thought something around communications and film, like, because those were the stuff that was that was the stuff that I studied and I happened to get past uh, an internship description for a public relations firm in town that had a lot of clients in the film industry. So that that's where I landed my very first um, internship, which turned into uh, a full-time contract. And I learned everything about PR on the job. And really all, you know, the main tool that you need to be a good PR practitioner is, is being a good writer and storyteller, which I have to say I already was so (laughs) being an English lit major and and a writer my entire life so um yeah it was just a matter of learning the ins and outs and the industry and the how-to um and then yeah and I was at that small company for a total of a year and a half before I decided you know time to move on and then instead of handing my resume off to a whole bunch of other PR firms I decided to start my own business and so that's that's how yeah, that's how I landed. Uh, and you say yeah. that so simply, you know. <laughs> yeah, like I just. <laughs> and I, I'm, I get it because blood, sweat, and tears both, in there. Both Luca and I kind of, kind of roll that way too. But that's not the way the average Joe goes about it, right? What was it that was the? Yeah, why? Why would you? Why did your brain go there? I'm going to do my own. Like I'll just do my own. But there was something that you knew mm-hmm. you were going to get by doing it on your own. 
rather than going in with another company. Yeah, I would say it took me about a uh, half a year to, mm-hmm. to go from leaving the company to starting the business. But um, I guess uh, what it was was just that, that the whole corporate disillusion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it only took me a year and a half to decide like, <laughs> oh, like I don't think this this whole corporate environment is for me. Um, and that was a very small company, actually. Um, and so, so yeah, I kind of just waffled, worked for my sister part time, did did uh, background work on film, film and TV sets for half a year before I, um, you know, intuition hit me again. And at the time, my sister had her own small business and she had actually a similar journey. She went from uh, admin assistant to partner of that company before she sold it. And I saw her running her own business. So she was actually the the catalyst and the inspiration to say, hey, if she can do it, so can mm-hmm. I. So, Absolutely. yeah. So, the be- yeah. <laughs> so I launched it at the beginning of uh, yeah. 2008. And I, I think it's interesting that you said, you know, the six months was the, the you know, waffling where you're doing that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm using the air quotes here, which, you know, the speakers or listeners can't see. Mm-hmm. But um, we so often downplay these these periods where things are being born. They're gestating. And if you had gone into something that didn't feel like waffling, you wouldn't have had the brain space or the soul space to come to that clarity, Mm -hmm. right? And we, you know, I think we do ourselves and we do each other a disservice when we see someone in an interim space by, you know, passing judgment on ourselves or others Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're not, well, they should be whatever, you know, dot, 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 Mm -hmm. whether going and getting a better job or you're Mm -hmm. capable of so much more or whatever, Mm -hmm. when really something important can be being born in that space. Yes. And Mm then that was uh, the half a year that I I took three weeks to travel, Mm. which is so important to me. And uh, yeah, it was my first time traveling to Asia, and yeah, just opened my eyes to oh yeah, to other Super cultures. Your eyes. So, yeah, thank you, thank yeah. you, late two thousand seven. Yeah, like, that was just beautiful. such yeah. a critical time, and yeah, and and now that I think about it and try and feel myself in that memory again, it was just such a spacious an expansive time in my life where I didn't have to worry about going to nine to five and yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Yeah. For acknowledging. It feels that. like a, mm-hmm. a good time to play a song. Which one of the two that you requested today would you like to play first? Uh, so we got Justin under, Timberlake yeah. or Queen. Let's and play. David let's Bowie. play Queen. Queen. And All right. Bowie. And would you like to tell us before we listen or after why you picked the song? After. After. Okay, let's give it a listen. So it's Queen and David Bowie, Under Pressure. And we will rejoin Sandra Nomoto here in the studio in just a few minutes. Pressure, 
turned away from it all like a blind man. Sat on a fence, but I don't want keep coming up with love, but it's so slashed and torn. You're listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca, and I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that we are broadcasting from unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish peoples, the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the Tsleil-Waututh. And those of us in the studio today, we are settlers here on this land, and we are seeking to do better, to listen to the voices of the people of the land, and to follow their lead for this precious resource that we are all sharing. We are here with Sandra Nomoto today, and we just took a listen to Queen and David Bowie singing Under Pressure, and Sandra was waiting until after the song to tell us why she picked it. So would you let us know now? Yeah, well, so around the time when uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was, you know, coming out, I guess, and uh, uh, Bowie and and Freddie Mercury, just such great musicians, lost... uh, too soon, I feel like, and and I also love the the meaning of the lyrics. You know, under pressure, we're we're constantly under pressure. And uh, before the break, we were just talking about expansiveness and being open and gestating. And yeah, I thought that would be a good time to play that. So there's a pressure of circumstance, and then there's sometimes yes. the internal pressure that we create for ourselves with our expectations of what we should be able to do and what we ought not to do and all of the things that we create that sometimes we're aware of and sometimes we're not. Yes. Um, but it's all floating around there um, influencing the choices that we're making. Yes. I also uh, have to thank my dad. He uh, listened to uh, a bit of the later Queen, but yeah, I picked up on it when I was younger. So thanks, Dad. <laughs> it was in your environment <laughs> yes. as you were going along. So I was going to ask you about intuition because you've referenced it a couple of times in terms of your decision making process so it's obviously important to you and I'm curious about how you experience your intuition and and how you use it consciously and maybe even subconsciously Mm -hmm. yeah I would say it's been a subconscious uh, practice most of my life and I've only maybe in the last couple years started to really 
pay attention to it and and trust um, that it has been a, such a big guiding force in my life. And I'd say, um, yeah, meditation has been huge. I'm coming up on uh, five years of daily meditation. Now in the summer it'll be. And um, yeah, I feel like that that's that's been a huge part of how I've been able to hone it and now use it as a guidepost for for making some major decisions or smaller decisions. So how did you know <laughs> that it was even there to uh, find a, a ritual way to sit down and pay attention to it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't set out to learn meditation so that I could be more intuitive. It just happened that I, yeah, I noticed when I when I first started meditating daily that this force was yeah starting to to um, I just or I just started to feel more uh, feel more of my intuition um, but when I look at the major changes that have happened in my adult life um, a lot of those decisions were made intuitively so now that I'm looking back I'm yeah I'm realizing that wow like I've how important uh, a tool it is to us and uh yeah it's just not talked about enough i don't think at least not re until recently yeah it's i think it's becoming something that we're attaching language to now mm -hmm. um, and we don't create language for things until we begin to realize that it might be useful to talk about it yes and notice that we don't have the language for it so then we start creating the language yeah um yeah, and, and so I'm, I'm noticing a lot more people now beginning to talk about, well, you know, my little voice said this, or, yeah. I mean, everybody has a different yeah, way Ga of Gabrielle referring Bernstein to it, Yeah, right? Gabrielle Bernstein calls it her ing, or her inner, you know, inner voice. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, it comes in different ways. And I think the more we notice it, the more comfortable we get with it. Yes, absolutely. So then we start to wonder what it's telling us yes which j just shifts our focus around to actually it's, it's like when you have somebody at the table and you and you haven't heard from them for a while so you say do you have something to add to this and you give them a little space to say it in yeah right so it sounds like you're giving your intuition a space yes. to speak to you in a way that you're where you're paying more conscious attention to it mm. yeah and i think from probably a lot of my childhood and early adulthood um i listened a lot to other people and not that i was given any bad advice mm -hmm. but i think just growing up in that environment um yeah it didn't allow me to to really hone in and, and even recognize that that intuition was there so yeah i'm so fortunate now to yeah be on what the path did you notice from or what do you now notice from your childhood that uh, you might not have known was a thing when you were a child, but that you that you know is something that informs your life a lot now. Yeah, I would say it's it's this uh, sense of consciousness that I have. Um, I, I care deeply about just the good will of people and human rights and the environment. And uh, that's something I don't think, you know, my family members or, or even close friends really shared with me. But it's something that kind of was always there and uh, and then became more apparent uh, when I created my PR agency and really uh, made it a focus to, to help companies who were in those sectors. Um, so, yeah, I would say it was around 2011 when I 
uh, started to work with an intuitive client. She was really the the catalyst for that. And um, yeah, and then I started to meet all of these other uh, entrepreneurs in the space and then realized, yeah, like I, I really want to dedicate my my business um, to this. And uh, and I'd say because now now it's just a life. Now it's just life quality. Now you're a B Corp, right? Conscious PR was a B Corp, yes. Yes. For um, two years. So how do you how do you take that over into what you're doing now? That th- those principles of being a B Corp. And and for maybe for our listeners who don't know what that is, what is it and why was that important for you to be that? Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's all about um transparency and are you actually being what you say you are because it's one thing to say you know we are a PR agency that focuses on on social and environmentally responsible businesses and telling their stories but having that certification to me just put that stamp of approval again in in um, the eyes of potential clients and and of course consumers and so in order to achieve the certification um, businesses have to um, go online and uh, fill out this assessment and it's free to fill out um, and what it does is it spits out a score after you answer all these questions and if you have a score of 80 out of 200 last time I checked I think that was the the minimum um, you can then apply for certification um, so it as a business you really have to measure yourself uh, against certain standards uh, on how you um, and be conscious. impact the environment yeah. yeah I mean I would I would suggest business owners even just go online create a free account and check it out mm-hmm. because you'll be able to see some of the th- it'll give you ideas even if you aren't mm-hmm. interested in certification at all mm-hmm. it'll give you some great ideas on how you can treat your employees better um, the types mm-hmm. of customers and clients you want to align yourself with how you can um, reduce your impact on the environment and all a whole bunch of, of things that even I didn't you know consider when I was uh, going for the certification so um, it's a great uh, tool for businesses I haven't actually thought about applying it personally because it yeah it is very much well, created for, say, for businesses to be a corporation to yes. be a B Corp, yes. right? So you, that means you, you have to be incorporated. That's uh, correct. You can yeah. be a, sol- a solopreneur, um, but yeah. nonprofits uh, are not uh, eligible. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They can certainly yeah. go on and look at it, uh, mm-hmm. absolutely. But uh, yeah, you do have to be a, a business to apply. Mm-hmm. So I've just tweeted out a link to that. Anybody who's curious about uh, seeing some of the pictures or links or things that Sandra's been referring to, some of the quotable quotes, you can always uh, come and find us on Twitter to follow, uh, follow along. Our Twitter handle is EssentialConv, that's spelled S. T-I-A-L-C-O-N-V. And um, so I just tweeted out a link to B Corporation. Great. Yeah. And for those of you just joining us, we're talking to Sandra Nomoto in the studio today. She is an author, an aspiring world traveler, and a light worker. And uh, maybe we want to talk a little bit about aspiring world traveler and light worker mm-hmm. because um, that's we haven't touched there yet. Aspiring world traveler. You talked about going to Asia. And, mm-hmm. and how that, for the first time, and how that ga- that felt so spacious for you. Um, what what does do you like? Do you approach travel as something that is sort of consciousness raising, or um, I, I, what's the aspiring world traveler part for you? Yeah, to me, it's it's both the physical and um, the personal level. Uh, so. Yeah, from a very young age, um, uh, as soon as I learned to read, you know, we had a lot of books in our house, which I'm so grateful for, and a lot of books with photos of 
places around the world. And so from a young, a young age, I was just aware that there were these, these different places uh, that you could go and you'd have to hop on a plane to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just that's always been a life goal of mine, just to travel to as many places as I as I could. But now that I'm an adult, I realize how important it is to connect with people of other cultures, because growing up, you know, in Western society here, we can be so sheltered and and um, entitled, frankly, that we don't realize how other people in the world live and operate and think, um, let, you know, aside from what they look like or how they speak. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's just so much we can glean from from people of other cultures. And uh, yeah, during that Asia trip, it was only three weeks, but I mean, just the places that I went to and observing how people live was just so so fascinating. And and yeah, that was kind of the, the, the big bug, I would say, um, uh, that's that stuck with me. I find when I come back from a trip that there's a re-entry process that I go through. There's yes. this kind of recognition that somehow that trip has changed me. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you remember what that was for you when you came back from that three-week trip to Asia? Like, how how had it altered you as you came back into Vancouver culture again? Yeah, it's hard to say um, because that, yeah, again, that was that period where, I mean, I didn't really have a job to come back to, um, but uh, the countries that I went to were very interesting. I went from Singapore, which is a very westernized Asian country, mm-hmm. to uh, Thailand um, for a couple days, um, and that's definitely a lot poorer, uh, to Japan, which... Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, very it's 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 pretty it's pretty urban, but mm-hmm. there were some parts I went to in Japan that were just so traditional and quiet and um Japan fascinates me so much because it has this duality to it. Um and it's sort of enigmatic. Yes. Like it's not easy to tell necessarily. They're sort of inscrutable. Yes, it's very uh, introverted culture. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, but at the same time, very big in terms of lights and color, and um, and that's how they express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say that like again, just that openness and observing, and and it reflects a lot about how the world is. There is this duality and this um, contrast, and 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 that same thing within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And tell us about the light worker. Yes, what does that mean for you? For me, it means um, bringing light wherever I can. So whether it's to people that I know and helping people around me, um, or being in service, uh, so volunteer and working. Um, I, I I actually stole the term from Doreen Virtue. Um, she incur. I, I saw her speak at one of the Hay House conferences that was in town and she she described undercover light worker as being mm. a title and I love that because it's <laughs> like you don't need to have a fancy job or volunteer role or be a you know a parent like you can be an undercover light worker mm. wherever you go um, but now it means something a little bit different um, for me because uh I've been thinking now that I've closed my agency down and I'm in in a few different roles, what the next big uh, career profession for me is going to be. And I'm thinking a lot about neuroscience and Mm. hypnotherapy. 
Interesting. Because um, I'm seeing hyp- hypno- hypnosis come into the mainstream in the same way that meditation has. Um, and therapy, of course, fascinates me because it's it's that like worker piece. I want to I want to help people like get over their Just limited beliefs and their way, traumas. Right? Yeah. So everybody needs to know, to do that. Like I, I don't care who you are. Like everybody's got trauma <laughs> that they've yes. got to get over. Yeah, yeah. And, we've all got work um, to yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, and and I'm I'm seeing that there's such a gap in terms of um, uh, how we can help people in that way in, in terms of uh, therapy. So, um, and I mean like it. it there are, there are, of course, traditional therapists, but um, if they were all working great, then there would be less traumatic people <laughs> walking around. So, yeah. I, like, I feel like there's uh, we're we're coming up on an era where this is going to be something mm-hmm. big. And so, I would love to see Lightworker incorporated into being a B Corp, <laughs> right? This this idea of being able to bring light through the way in which you conduct your business. Yeah, I think that's exactly is, the uh, it, it. Like yeah. if we could be really conscious about it, not that you have to be that, but that it's one more manifestation of being a, a conscious uh, business in the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing a theme. Yes, I'm finding the common thread. Um, awareness. There's your work in yourself around awareness, but it's around awareness and about communicating processes it's um it seems like everything that you're touching even if it's coming from completely looking like they're coming from different spaces it's around facilitating awareness but you are practicing it first and then you're engaging with others and sort of it's like a want to try this with me kind Mm -hmm. of thing and it's a very gentle way of you're you're seeking to walk your walk and honestly this is showing up in all of the different things that you've said you've had your hands in this is, you know, in, including your film, including all of these things that you have had your fingers in. They're all different efforts, including this thing you're talking about with therapy, because you use the word even connected with that, because the power of therapy is in the bringing of awareness, mm-hmm. right? We cannot fix what we have no awareness of. Yeah. So it's the first steps of engaging. Again, the word consciously, right, is all mm-hmm. with awareness. This is, and this I love is really Lightworker cool. because it's it's acknowledging the darkness. There's darkness yeah. in everyone, yeah. and it's yeah, and it's just shining a light culture, on it. It's, in it's, every institution, yeah, everybody and it's beautiful, has the shadow, and, it, and right? you just have to be aware of it and shine mm. the light on it and figure out what you're gonna do. <laughs> we've got one more song, and I feel like this is the right time to play it. So we've got Justin Timberlake's "Can't Stop the Feeling." Would you like to tell us before or afterwards why you picked this one? Sure. Um, yeah, it was right after the Justin Timberlake concert uh, here. I, I'm a big fan of GT. It was was in the in the NSYNC days, and uh, yeah, I just find this such a, an upbeat and feel good and let's dance on Friday night kind of jam. Okay, there may be dancing in the studio, so feel free to join in wherever you're listening. <laughs> yes, please. All right, we'll be right back in just a few minutes with Sandra Demoto. This feeling inside my bones It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on All through my city, all through my home We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone I got that sunshine in my pocket Got that good soul in my feet I feel that hot blood in my body When it drops, ooh, I can't 
We are up on SFU, Burnaby Mountain. You are listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. And our guest today is Sandra Nomoto, an author, an aspiring world traveler, a light worker. And her second song request for today was Justin Timberlake's Can't Stop the Feeling. And there was a little bit of dancing. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. There was some definitely some chair bopping that was going on. happy music. It's so happy. And it's Friday. It's and it's Friday. Friday and the sun's shining and we're getting a little closer to spring. Yes. <laughs> um, so, Sandra, you've got, sitting in front of it, here three journals 
and they've got the most fantastic covers on them. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm really interested in what inspired these and um, and where did these wonderful covers come from, um, which have, they're, they're sort of irreverent, these covers. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, we've been talking a lot about intuition this past hour. And yeah, the idea... Um, I would say birth from intuition. It's that same conference that I was sitting at <laughs> that that when this I was decided to this conference. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. Um, when I decided to change up my agency, same same conference. Uh, they were talking about journals and how they are the next uh, the next best selling thing after the books in the bookstore. And I thought to myself, but most of the journal covers that I see are so boring. How mm -hmm. can that be? <laughs> and and so I filed away this idea that I had of you know, create some journals with cool covers. And then intuition just hit me November uh, 2016 and was like, nope, you got to wake up today and start creating these journals. And, <laughs> and, and actually, it was a good thing to do because it tested out um, Amazon. And that's how we created my current book. And so the whole process of learning that. But uh, it was actually a collaborative um, project because I got to work with somebody I had to, I had to uh, first of all, pull my um, all my cool friends <laughs> were cool and and went, you know, here are like a dozen choices for cool cover titles. Um, Which ones do you? Yeah, like? exactly. And so I took the top three. Those were the ones. And then I, I had a colleague uh, design them um, and she did exactly how I pictured them. So, um, yeah, that's how and it all came about. Big, bold black font on a white background with uh, an accent color and yes. one of them says trust me you don't want to read what's in here because everybody's concerned about you know the privacy of their journal and they want yep. somebody reading it who's not supposed to be reading it and one of them says yes I journal deal with it which is, which is great and the other one says bleep yes it's time to journal <laughs> um, we're, we're following our CRTC guidelines here um, but but I like I love the irreverence of it it's it's Thank you. like and you know when you're sitting there busy scribbling away in your journal somebody's gonna see that so that's where they're gonna write things down hopefully things from the show yeah here it's today. just a, a fun way I thought of, of making journaling cool and fun yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's yeah. not the, about privacy and unveiling your deepest thoughts and feelings you, of course you can do that yeah. but it's yeah it's just for your average Joe who, and this is the funky fun you can side use it as here. a doodle book or a notebook too yeah, for you know? anything yeah for being inspired so if if we're polling all of those people who are listening today um, who would you like to hear from and if they'd like to contact you, how do they go about doing that? And what have you got coming up next that people would be interested in knowing about? Uh, I mean, I, I'm happy to hear from anyone. <laughs> and uh, best it's way to way, right? It's yeah, way best way to get a hold of me is, is through my name, sandranamoto.com is my blog. And then you'll find all my social media accounts um, connected from there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I guess what I'm communicating more so now is is on veganism because I'm coming up on my one year of uh, eating plant-based, which I'm super yeah. proud of. Yeah. Um, so I'm most interested in that type of content. But again, if yeah, if you want to hit me up and let's talk about travel and, and authorship and um, eating and whatever you want to talk about, I, I'm game. So I'm very accessible. Yeah. And they can find out more about what you're up to by... 
um, getting in touch with you and finding out what you're creating at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just created the journal uh, or uh, the PR guide. That's yeah. the latest yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and um, and I've sent yeah. out links to that on Amazon so that people can find it very easily if Great. they would like yeah. to. Yeah. Thank Sandra, you. thank you for joining us today. This thank was delightful to get to know you a little bit better on air today. Thank you. It's so yes. much Such fun. a pleasure. Yes. Yeah. I loved it. So what's happening for you, Rebecca? Oh, my fundraiser is imminently going live. Ah, so. My fundraiser slash awareness raiser, because really that's mm-hmm. what's mostly it's about. And that's for my Blossom co-housing project. Um, keep keep an eye out for that, folks, if you're interested in getting involved and in helping create some more options for people here in Vancouver for sustainable housing. Um, reclaiming empty houses that are on the market using Airbnb, which tends to steal housing processes, but actually allowing it to create possibilities that's what this project is about. Um, yeah, find, find out more. more. Yes, find out more. And until next time, I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halix, Power Sorcerer, and Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalix.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. Oh, ah, 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 Happy, 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 happy. Boing, 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 boing.